podcast, Everyday Sublime, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm really glad you're here. As a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist, my intention with this podcast is to offer an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In this episode, I want to offer a few reflections at the end of 2020 before I sign off for my annual month of podcast hibernation. I know that some of you have expressed a wish that I sustain the output of the podcast episodes through the holidays. And while I certainly appreciate the enthusiasm and support for the podcast, after a year, after a long year of teaching and podcast production, I've come to really depend on these punctuated periods of rest. These periods of rest in the late summer and winter And I see these as invaluable times for me to recharge, renew, and in some ways to reinvent myself. Now, if by any chance over the next few weeks you find yourself experiencing symptoms of everyday sublime withdrawal, please avail yourself of the backload of episodes archived on my site at www.joshsummers.net forward slash podcast. The 2020 season is shaping up to be another rich year of guests on the podcast, My friend and colleague Stephanie Arend came on to discuss her great new book, Be Healthy with Yin Yoga, and I'll be speaking also with my co-pilot in the Yin Yoga School, Terry Coburn, where we discuss how she approaches applying functional alignment to Yang Yoga and also how she thinks about integrating Yin and Yang Yoga in her teaching. So I'm eager to share those conversations with you. And also, I recently found a lost interview I did with the fascial expert David Lasondak. For reasons that I can't figure out, the audio for this interview never made it onto the podcast assembly line and has since been just collecting digital dust in a folder on my desktop. But no more. Those episodes will see the light of day and will be released in 2020, and you'll get to hear more about fascia from one of the leading experts on the topic. So that will be just the start of 2020. I have plans for some other wonderful guests too, but we'll leave you in suspense for now. And at this point... I will now begin a reflection on winter, the sacred portal. Okay, at the time that this episode is released, I'll be leading a silent meditation and yin yoga retreat in western Massachusetts with my colleague Terry Coburn. The weather report predicts some degree of snow accumulation on the night of our arrival which means a fresh blanket of snow will likely tuck us in as we begin a week of silence and inward contemplation. Personally, I'm delighted by this forecast. Since the early days of my meditation life, I've frequently attended silent meditation retreats for a week or longer, just around the winter solstice and new year. And I found that an added blanket of snow somehow supports the meditative journey within. And so when I recently flipped open a book called Emptiness Dancing by the contemporary spiritual teacher named Adyashanti, I was struck by his opening paragraph in a chapter entitled The Radiant Core. Adya wrote this. He says, Winter is an interesting time of year. Many of our most sacred days are in the winter. It is the season of spiritual holidays such as Ramadan, Hanukkah, and Christmas, and often the Buddha's own enlightenment is celebrated at this time of year. Winter, he says, is a sacred portal or opportunity. 
The leaves and the trees are falling, the fruits drop to the ground, the ranches become bare, and everything turns to its most essential root nature. Not only in the exterior world, but also in the interior world, there's a natural stripping away. This theme that Adia mentions of a natural stripping away as part of the spiritual journey is one that I find interesting, one that is very alive for me in my own practice right now. Often, when I hear folks talk about letting go of things that no longer serve them, I sense a, a sense a kind of spiritual housekeeping at play. People are trying to clean up or clear out certain things, whether it be letting go of physical clutter or letting go of dynamics fraught with emotional conflict. There's often a feeling of clearing house, a sweeping away of possessions, relationships, habits, and behaviors that may no longer fulfill, support, or nourish. Sometimes these cycles of clearing and letting go are initiated from within, when there's an inner calling that leads us forward towards a different future. And sometimes these cycles of clearing and letting go feel more like they descend upon us, or that they are rather imposed upon us by situations or by people. Either way, however, the spiritual stripping away that Adya refers to, this can often bring up a sense of loss. Our personal evolution and growth, and especially our spiritual evolution and growth, will often have phases of disillusionment within it. Phases of confusion where a conditioned way of perceiving and being in the world is experienced as being no different from, say, a perceptual or visual illusion. And this disillusionment yields to a radically different mode of perceiving and being in the world. Now, sometimes this shift in perception is accompanied by lots of joy, love, and bliss. And yet, for many, this shift, this shift in consciousness that I'm describing that comes from being spiritually disabused of false perceptions, this isn't always greeted with joy and glee. The American Buddhist monk Bhikkhu Bodhi eloquently put it like this in his book on the Buddha's Eightfold Path. Bhikkhu Bodhi writes, The search for a spiritual path is born out of suffering. It does not start with lights or ecstasy, but rather with a hard tax of pain, disappointment, and confusion. However, for suffering to give birth to a genuine spiritual search, it must amount to more than something passively received from without. It has to trigger an inner realization, a perception which pierces through the facile complacency of our usual encounter with the world to glimpse the insecurity perpetually gaping underfoot. Now, when this insight dawns, even if only momentarily, it can precipitate a profound personal crisis. It overturns accustomed goals and values, mocks our routine preoccupations, leaves old enjoyments stubbornly unsatisfying. Bhikkhu Bodhi continues, he says, At first, such changes generally are not welcome. Now, I add here, I say, the stripping away of winter the cycles of loss or feelings of disillusionment that may come with these, these aren't always welcomed. Bhikkhu Bodhi continues. He says, We tried to deny our vision and to smother our doubts. We struggled to drive away the discontent with new pursuits. But the flame once lit continues to burn. And if we do not let ourselves be swept away by superficial readjustments, or slouch back into a patched-up version of our natural optimism, eventually the original glimmering of insight will again flare up. Again, it will confront us with our essential plight. 
And it's precisely at that point, with all escape routes blocked, that we are ready to seek a way to bring our disquietude to an end. Now, Bhikkhu Bodhi's assertion that such changes generally are not welcome, this might be the greatest spiritual understatement of all time. Indeed, opening to the insecurity that is perpetually gaping underfoot is a perception that many do not welcome with open arms. This paradigm-smashing realization can make the mind literally real. And one of my spiritual teachers named Jack Engler was fond of saying, quote, the entire spiritual path is a path of mourning and loss, end quote. What Jack meant here is that in the beginning of the path, we will often mourn the way we've treated ourselves and others. Fueled by the perception of being a separate self, that is an isolated being separate from the world that it inhabits, our energy and actions often organize themselves around dynamics of me versus the world, or me versus them. It's this perception of separation that fuels so much conflict we experience in our lives, and waking up to the situation often entails some degree of pain, regret, and mourning, where we regret our treatment of others and of ourselves. But Jack also meant something else in his statement when he said, the entire path, the entire spiritual path, is a path of mourning. In the deeper end of spiritual realization, Jack is referring to the loss of the perception of being a separate self. In other words, the sense of being a separate self cut off from the world it inhabits the sense of separation is itself revealed to be an illusion, an illusion that one ultimately sheds. But with this realization comes a special kind of mourning. One mourns the loss of an illusory separate sense of self that was never there in the first place. And I want to repeat that last line again, because it's truly an odd and somewhat disorienting experience. Jack would say, one mourns the loss of an illusory separate sense of self that was never there in the first place. An imperfect but potentially helpful analogy here might be to imagine a soldier who has been fighting a prolonged war. After a decade of fighting, the soldier suddenly discovers that the war was a mistake. The perceived enemies were actually allies, and the entire premise of the war was false. Fortunately, the soldiers' commanders also reached the same conclusion and the bloody conflict was brought to an end, yielding an era of peace and harmony. But in spite of the positive shift into a time of peace, the soldier is still left with a sense of regret and mourning for the actions that were born from the perception of division and conflict. And I think this is similar to how in spirituality, when we become stripped of our illusory perceptions of being separate, we can simultaneously feel a deep and liberating truth of interconnection and love, and yet we may also feel a profound sadness and mourning for all the energy invested in protecting and defending a self-image that was never there in the first place. This is truly a strange experience. So in the season of winter, in this spiritual season of stripping away the superfluous from the essential, in this time of natural shedding, I share these reflections in case you too feel a strange mixture of stillness and sadness, or peacefulness and mourning, or deep joy and simultaneous loss. These experiences need not be in opposition to one another. In fact, 
They are all aspects of the undivided life. Okay, I'll pause the episode there for today. I'll leave a few links in the show notes for the books I mentioned by Adi Ashanti and Bhikkhu Bodhi. And in the first episode of the new season, I'll continue to expand on this reflection on the nature of the self before sharing more episodes of conversations with various of my guests. I hope you and yours have a wonderful winter season, and I look forward to connecting again in early 2020. I'll see you then.